All right. How's everybody doing out there tonight? Hello there, and welcome to the Panic Attack with Big John. Uh, you can reach out and or follow me on Twitter at the real underscore Big John. You uh, can check. If you want to see what the heck I look like and you're not already on YouTube, you can check out my podcast on YouTube, the same name, Panic Attack with Big John, and I also have a Facebook page, the uh, Panic Attack with Big John, or it might, there might not be, it might just be Panic Attack with Big John, whatever. So, hope everyone's doing well and healthy. And staying inside the doors while the boogeyman passes outside. Um, so, we're not going to talk about that right off the bat. Right off the bat, we're going to light the stogie. And uh, see where we're going. I want to talk about um, elections. But one person in particular is the lovely, the Hang on, I'm still writing a stogie. Alright. So the lovely, brown-eyed, dark-haired beauty from New York, Alexandria Sandy Ocasio-Watch-Cortez. Um, where can we begin? Well, we can begin by taking... My glass is off for the YouTubers, so they're not watching a glare. But, um, right now, she's, uh, in, in some trouble. May not make it beyond one term. As you know, this is a census year. And after the census is taken, uh, the state governments redraw congressional districts. And there's a good chance that her congressional district will be erased by the Democrats because she's getting on their nerves. Um, she pulls a lot of stunts. She has gotten... <laughs> <laughs> this cracks me up before I even say it. But she has um, put together a, a group of freshman representatives. Um, herself, Ilhan Omar, uh, a couple others. And 
they call themselves the squad. <laughs> they gave themselves a nick. Oh, what a... I mean, come on. This, is, this isn't a chick flick. Andrea, Alexandria, Sandy. This this is reality, and you're a member of the United States Congress. Um, you know, and I get it, you know, the whole thing that adolescence lasts until you're in your 30s nowadays. Um, that's like a, a, an official uh, mental health. I shouldn't say mental health because that makes it sound like I'm accusing her of being insane. But it's, it's a proven statistic. The things that uh, the, the actions and the intelligence and so on of what used to be considered teenagers or adolescents now last in adults up until the early 30s. Uh, when I was in college, they said it was, uh, well, now adolescents last uh, until you're about 25, your state of mind and so on. Now it's uh, into the 30s. I remember 10 years ago when my friends started turning 30. And well, God, the last 13 years flew by. But a lot of them were refusing to grow up and were saying, well, you know, 30 is the new 20. I can still go out and party and blah, blah, woof, woof. Um, I was of a different mentality. I'm like, I'm 30, I'm old, I'm sitting at home watching football and drinking beer in front of my television. I don't need to go out to a bar to do that. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Andrea, Alexandria, who I keep calling Andrea, Alexandria Cortez has uh, pissed off a lot of Democrats high up, including Speaker Pelosi. Uh, a few months ago, or so, maybe a year ago, she was telling other incumbent and senior Democrats that, well, if you don't go along with these progressive ideas, that we're going to primary you. Let me explain to you how Alexandria got elected in the first place. There was a group called the Justice Democrats, and they went on a star search hunt for the next wave of Democrats that were going to be younger, good-looking, and progressive. And these people didn't need political experience. They didn't need prior elected experience. Uh, they just needed to look and have electability. And so... Alexandria and several others got into this group, answered the casting call, and the Justice Democrats got them elected, about half of them elected. And the Justice Democrats viewed this as a huge victory in you know, plastered it all over social media that this was some big revolution that they had uh, started and we're going to get progressives 
elected. And the deal was you get elected, then they would teach you the ropes of Congress and so on and so forth, how to be an elected official. And so Alexandria was one of the people that was swept up in this. And it hasn't taken long for her to let her office kind of go to her head. Now, I saw her on a Fox News interview the other day where, you know, she was, they, they pushed her a little bit about her tweet that Mike Pence is the wrong person to head the Corona task force. But because she said, because he's not a science believer, he's a Christian. Uh, in a previous video, it, I talked about her calling herself a, a person of faith. And she refused to use the word Christian because she just wanted to be known as a person of faith. And that's a, a new thing with the Democrats. They want to be known as people of faith, but they don't want to outright say, I'm a Christian. Or, uh, well, the Muslims have no problem saying, hey, I'm a Muslim, you have to do as I say or I will cry racist, which that's not racist when you dislike someone for their religion, but that's a whole other topic. Uh, anyways, so AOC has annoyed the shit out of other Democrats to the point where uh, articles online now are popping up that she may get her district erased. She's also drawn so much ire that she has uh, 13 opponents in the primary. Now, I'm not sure if, I think that's 13 opponents. The 13 may include her, but the article I read said she's got 13 opponents. When she got into this race, she beat a multi-year incumbent, I do believe, in a three-way race. So she kind of squeaked in there, luckily. Uh, she didn't get a plurality of the vote. I know that. Um, also, now in her year in Congress, she has raised a lot of money. Had a lot of money donated to her. Um, and it mostly comes from outside of her district. Uh, her district is predominantly the Bronx and Queens, New York. So it's a, a heavy uh, Democrat district. But 13 other Democrats want to see her gone. As well as high up Democrats. So can the five million plus dollars that she's raised undo all this? It, in a 13 person race, anything can happen. Okay. The other 13 may just wash each other out and she could get in on money and name. But then... If all heck freezes over, there are seven Republicans running in the Republican primary, uh, a few of which are self 
funding millionaires that are so sick of her, they are just going to spend their own money to beat her should they win the Republican nomination. Uh, this is a heavy, heavy blue district, so it's going to be difficult for her to lose. So the next step would be the Democrat establishment in New York and nationally saying, okay, look, she might have won, but she caused the landslide and gave Trump the cannon fodder that uh, propelled him to re-election and propelled the Democrats out of the House of Representatives. So, the next several months will be extremely interesting uh, with the effect this coronavirus that I'm going to talk about in segment two or the next video uh, is bringing to us. The media is damning Trump for all of this. That's another story. Don't want to go there now. But right now, Alexandria Sandy Ocasio Watch Cortez could well be a bartender uh, this time in 2021. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I think she's she had. She, she means well. She just knows so much that isn't so. She has no life experience outside of being a bartender. She went to uh, an expensive college. Um, was it Columbia University? Wow, Google it and tell me. But uh, she went to a good university. For all accounts, she was a good student. But that doesn't lead to common sense. And that doesn't overcome adolescent tendencies at the age of 29 and 30. I will say on the Fox interview I saw the other day, she talked, she spoke well. She spoke professionally. She, you know, carried herself and looked professional. So uh, there could have been hope for her, but this Justice Democrat group, just is so heck bent on uh, getting people elected on electability and lookies that uh, she was able to get in there. And it's not going to, these people won't hold up in the rugged, ragtag uh, un underworld of politics. So could be farewell AOC after this election. So, with that, next segment. Welcome to the Panic Attack with Big John. Uh, we're hanging out here. Um, I personally stayed home today. I stocked up on food and toilet paper yesterday. Uh, I, you know, I haven't been out on uh, the whole... Uh, Corona toilet paper fetish. I just buy uh, an extra instead of waiting till I'm almost out. I just grab one. Usually at uh, the one dollar store. I don't know what they call it where you live, but every place has that store that sells everything for a dollar, and you can get like a four. I got like a four pack of actually really good Cottonelle. 
<laughs> this is the weirdest thing I've ever talked about in my life. I got a four pack of good cotton out toilet paper for a buck. Uh, so, I mean, there were small rolls, but you know, I just grab a, a little four pack every time I'm at the store now. Uh, whenever I see one on the shelf, I'm not like the guy that loaded his Prius from front to back with 24 pack rolls and couldn't shut the hatch back. Uh, like I saw the other day, but um, over the weekend, uh, the governor of Ohio and governors of several other states canceled um, primary elections today. They closed down bars and restaurants. Uh, some businesses have been telling people to work from home which it's nice we have the technology to pull that off nowadays um but for like hotels are empty because of travel restrictions and travel bans and people just canceling trips uh because they don't want to be out in this mess uh, i think a lot of this hysteria shopping for the apocalypse is still uh, still media driven and let me tell you um okay so i theorized may have been yesterday that uh because the bars in ohio were packed on Saturday night that we should see a spike in the number of coronavirus cases. Now, it's still early, <clears throat> but we from uh, Friday night till today's Tuesday, Tuesday morning, we saw a number of the the number of cases double. So it is spreading here in Ohio. Uh, I live in a county that has not yet had a, a case diagnosed. Now, some people are traveling to bigger and better hospitals to get diagnoses, diagnoses, diagnosed. Um, and they say that's kind of skewing the county by county results, but we're on the back end and this has not hit its peak yet. And so when they say we had, no, I swear I heard the governor and his health director say 67 cases today. Uh, another newspaper I read said 50 cases in Ohio. But uh, anyway, so it's, uh, it's spreading. They're having a little hard, bit of a hard time tracking where it's spreading because people are going to Hospital A in, say, County B, and then they're coming from County C to Hospital A in County B because they feel that Hospital D in County C isn't good enough. I hope none of that made sense to you. And so they are reporting that, you know, the diagnosis 
uh, let's say, in Mahoning County. Well, the person may have lived in Trumbull County or Columbiana County. But the hospital in Mahoning County is uh, a better hospital than the ones that are nearest to the person with symptoms. Also, they're saying te more tests are becoming are coming out that the Trump administration is doing that. They're encouraging you though. to ration tests so that people who really need them can get them and, and get treated. If you don't have symptoms, don't get tested is what they're saying. Uh, scrolling through my Twitter feed today, I saw Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, put out a, my dog has Corona. Oh crap. That was my dog sneezing. Uh, no, no. Well, we, I don't know. Haley, we're going to have to get get you tested for coronavirus. Uh, oh, well, she just sat down. <laughs> she doesn't sit when I tell her to sit, but I tell her coronavirus and she sits. Uh, anyway. So, government reaction to COVID-19 and the recovery plan. Uh, this plan passed the House. Uh, the plan, it would give displaced employees a check until things pass, uh, until this, you know, virus peaks or until the government feels safe uh, reopening restaurants and bars and other uh, businesses that have been shut down that cannot give their employees paid sick leave or paid time off. So everyone's going to get um, $1,000 a month if you're a displaced employee. Senate should pass this bill within a day or two, and then the president will sign it as soon as possible. Um, so what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted that got me thinking about all of this, uh, and I've also been watching every press conference I can between the president and Governor DeWine, you know, not, not both of them at the same time, but the pres will have one, then the governor will have his a little bit later. Lindsey Graham uh, got Alexandria's uh, thong all in a bunch by saying that uh, he wants to give the American workers a paycheck, not a government check. And, you know, she rebutted by saying Lindsey Graham has gotten a government check every month since 1995. The plan is to give employee displaced workers, displaced employees, a thousand dollars a month at, at this rate. And Lindsay said, you know, he will vote for it. He and it will pass the Senate because it has House support and presidential support. So it's nice to see 
the House of Representatives and the President working together. Um, but Lindsay wants to give businesses or companies payroll loans so they can stay in business. Now, the, this, I think, creates a middleman effect where the government's going to have the company apply for a loan. Who knows how long that would take. Then the company could pass that loan on to its employees at its discretion. Uh, this is theoretical because Lindsay didn't get into details of what he liked, what how he would like to do it. He just said he would like to give payroll loans to companies. Well, that's going to take it longer to get to the American worker. A person that really needs it. And, you know, people in the hotel industry, the restaurant industry, and so on, need this money now. Pardon me. See, tipped employees, like waitresses and bartenders, do not know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck. They get money every day. Okay? I had to take a water break. Um, so if you're a tipped employee, you may go, if you work 40 hours a week, or whatever, you may only go a day or two without uh, money in your pocket. It's not always a lot, and you do have to ration it, you know, but, you know, most waitresses and bartenders and that, um, say in a, a small area like where I live, they might make a hundred or two hundred dollars a day in tips, they don't spend that whole $100 or $200 that day unless they have a lot of bills to pay. They ration it out for a couple days, but they always have money in their pockets, okay? They always leave work with money. So these people need this money quick. Lindsey Graham's plan of letting the employer dole out the money and he's how I don't understand how this would keep the business open uh, because he's saying that you give the employer money and then they pass it out to their employee instead of the government passing it out. And it sounds like he's full of shit because if you're doing to keep the business open, the business is going to have to keep a lot of that money and not pass it out to the employee. So they're going to take the money and sit on it and pay you know their bills. Businesses have bills too. You know the business may have a mortgage, the business may have uh, like an electric bill, a gas or heating bill uh, and stuff like that. Um, of course if your business is closed, you can run your heat or whatever temperature regulation at a different setting and save money, but 
still, these business owners are going to keep the majority of the bit, the money for themselves to keep the business alive. And yeah, that's fine, but that's not getting the money to the employees who desperately need it. Okay. My opinion is the government has bailed out the auto industry after 9-11. They bailed out the airline industry. And they're talking about bailing out the airline, hotel, and uh, freaking cruise lines. And the cruise line, you know, the ship's like uh, industry also. So this would be the second or third corporate bailout. Well, they bailed out the banks, too, in 2008. So this would be the second corporate bailout uh, in my lifetime. Third, pardon me, the third corporate bailout if, when they go down that road. They have not yet bailed out the American people. Okay, now there's a student loan debt crisis coming over the horizon, which could be the bailout of the American people. Um, but I think it's about time the government did something for the small working people that pay taxes also. And I think it's time we saw some of our tax money come back to our pocketbooks. Okay. Um, I'm a gig worker. So I, for me, I can just change apps and have a different gig. Uh, so, you know, yeah, this isn't doing this this corona recession is not doing me any favors, but it's not killing me either. Uh, I still, when I worked eight hours the other day, uh, came home with over a hundred bucks after expenses. So, I mean, I know to some of you listening, that's like nothing, but you know, five, six, seven hundred bucks a week where I live in a house that's paid off. Uh, and I have a small car, well, I have a big car, but a low payment. I started to say small car payment, low car payment. You know, it doesn't hurt me. You know, my electric bill is like 30 bucks and I'm not on any government assistant plan. I just don't use electricity that often. Uh, and a lot of things in my house are energy efficient. Um, so... You know, but it's about time, you know, screw Lindsey Graham. I, you know, there's times I like him and times I dislike him. But it's about time the American people got bailed out. Okay? Government created this problem for us by closing up bars and restaurants and taking away our freedoms to make the choice to go out and, you know, to, if you wanted to go out and put your health at risk, that should be your right. And government saying, no, we can't do that because then the hospitals will become overrun with patients. And we have to have beds for not just the coronavirus patients, but we also have to have hospital beds for the people that, uh, say, have heart attacks and things like that. Uh, here in Ohio today, they issued uh, a mandated moratorium, uh, 
uh, they stopped all elective surgeries. So that means I can't get my breast implants. And I was looking forward to that too. Oh, well, maybe next time. So, but yeah, yeah, stuff like cosmetic surgeries, surgeries that are non, you know, life-saving have been put on hold. And the, in general, the government is asking you to put off any uh, plastic surgery or non-emergency life-helping, life-sustaining surgery. This way, they have hospital beds for the serious patients, the stroke, the heart attack, the corona patients. Uh, and the coronavirus has not hit its peak yet. We're still on the uphill side of this peak that they, they say, you know, all virus spreads, outbreaks, whatever it was, whether it was the H1N1 that Obama dropped the ball on, whether it was SARS that Obama and Biden dropped the ball on. They all kind of climb up a hill and they peak and they come down. The, the goal of government right now, whether it's the Fed or the local, is to keep the, the mountain as small as possible and round it off so we have a gradual up a peak, and then a hope. We want a rapid decline, really, but it's usually a gradual decline. And the decline may last till July or August, but the sooner we get over that hump and we see the number of cases now coming down instead of going up, the better off we are. And the sooner they can get restaurants and places open again and get the economy moving again. So that is how goes it. Joe Biden uh, is tweeting out complete, well, whoever runs Joe's Twitter, I can't believe he does it himself. Uh, you know, whoever's tweeting for Joe Biden is just putting out straight propaganda. So <coughs> I've talked my throat dry. So in the next video or next segment, depending on what platform you're on, I'll get into how America's handling the coronavirus. Thank you, and we'll see you momentarily. All right, guys, so we're panic attacking Big John here with you. And uh, been joined by my dog, Haley. She's sitting on my microphone cord right now. And so here we go. Um, the media. The media, media, media. CNN, PMS, NBC. All of them are critiquing President Trump's handling of the coronavirus. I'm not supposed to say coronavirus on YouTube, but... Oh, well, um, we are at a point with this ailment. Uh, we're just getting it kicked off. In December and January, people coming home 
I had to take a little cigar break there. People coming home from China, be they delegates or uh, travelers or whomever, started saying um, there's something really bad going on over there. And so once President Trump found out, you know, what was going on in this Wu-Pang, Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang Clan, I don't know, Wu-Pan, Wu-Pan Province, um, he shut down air travel to, or from Japan, or from China. Back in January, President Trump cut off incoming flights from China. Um, now, it's a little fuzzy to me because I assume if you were an American citizen, you were allowed back in the country, but you were uh, put under uh, some quarantine or something. I'll have to, you can Google that. I don't figure it out for yourself. I'm just here to make you think. So that was January 28th, as soon as the president found out what was really going on over in China. Then Chuck Schumer and other Democrats and the media said that President Trump was acting racist for shutting off incoming flights from China and that this uh, supposed sickness coming from going on in China was just an excuse for his racial bigotry to close more borders to foreigners. Well, it turns out he did the right thing. Now, the only excuse that uh, Bernie Sanders could come up with uh, in the last debate was, well, we should have a government-controlled healthcare system, and then you would not have a shortage of medical supplies. And right now, we do not have a shortage of medical supplies, Bernie. So, what Trump has done, he's worked with manufacturers, he's working with companies, they are making more respirators, they are finding out how many respirators are in storage, he is working with the military to find out how many mobile surgical mobile army surgical hospitals they have available which these are pop like the television show mash these are pop-up hospitals that can be set up anywhere they're also working it with the army corps of engineers to see which buildings near uh, epicenters of the corona outbreak which old buildings can be converted into temporary hospitals he's working with private companies everyone's worried about the front line say firemen and uh, I would guess policemen sometimes they come to medical emergency calls but doctors and nurses they need the masks okay well masks that are made for industrial use which were previously unattainable to hospitals, are now attainable to hospitals. So, masks 
breathing masks that were used by, say, painters in an auto factory or uh, in just industrial painters in general to make sure they're not inhaling uh, paint spray and fumes are now available to doctors and hospitals to order. They've also asked construction companies if you have any of these masks available, if you have extra, to donate them to hospitals. The Trump administration is doing all of this. They set out a new two-week standard of guidelines saying, you know, hey, don't drive, don't... Or they didn't say don't drive. They said, you know, don't move about outside unless you have to. Uh, they are supporting this closing of restaurants and bars uh, to, on, to only accept takeout and drive-through orders with a skeleton staff. They've ramped up, you know, the availability of the federal government to the states. You know, not everything needs to be strong central government controlled. The states need to act on their own, and then what they can't handle, the federal government through FEMA, through the Army Corps of Engineers, and other agencies will help them with. The CDC has set out guidelines. Trump restricted air travel from many European nations. He has been ahead of this curve, okay, more than any westernized or industrialized nation on earth. They say, well, Vietnam has less coronavirus cases than the United States. That doesn't count. Vietnam is a rural country. You've got, what, Hoi, Hanoi, pardon me, in the north. And uh, what was the capital of South Vietnam? Um, damn it, I couldn't figure this out last night. I'm going to figure it out tonight. Because I talked about it before and then I forgot. Uh, but there's uh, like one major city in the northern part of the country. And one major city in the south part of Vietnam. Uh, let's, let's look at this. Capital of... South Vietnam, even though there is no North and South Vietnam anymore, but come on, computer. Thank goodness for Google and and uh, Bing. Ho Chi Minh City, no, that's not what it's called. Bien Ho? No, that's not it. Let's scroll down. So, South Vietnam, officially the Republic of Vietnam, NVA, Vietnamese. You know it couldn't just, like, pop straight up, could it? Here we go. Yeah, so I, I pull up a big map of Vietnam, and I see the, okay, so Hanoi is the capital, Saigon, that's what I was trying to say, okay, so in Vietnam you have the major cities marked here, 
Hanoi, uh, Ha Tin, Huay, Na Trang, Nitrang, and then you have Ho Chi Minh City, formerly known as Saigon. Okay, so other than those four major areas, those four cities that I just named, or maybe five, it's a rural spread out country. Of course, they're not going to have community spread like the United States where we have millions of people packed in to New York City, tens of millions, uh, packed in one, you know, little island, Manhattan. You know, it's just going to be a different scenario. Um, Then somebody brought up, well, Singapore is doing a better job. They have fewer coronavirus cases. Um, hello. There are nation state, there are city state, pardon me. That means they're a city that runs itself like a nation. And they're very powerful. And they're very good people. And they're a, a great economic power. I, I'm not saying anything bad about Singapore. What I'm saying is you can't compare a city state to the United States, 50 states with multiple cities packed into one area, okay? But the virus is spread is spreading less rapid in the United States than any other country in the world. Wouldn't that tell you that Donald Trump is ahead of the curve? That he's doing everything that a president can do? Yes, that is what it tells you. But that's not what the media tells you. Oh, we've got one more case of coronavirus. Oh, one more person died today. Trump's fault. Trump's fault. What's he done wrong? He's worked with the drug companies. They already have a, a uh, anecdote, a vaccine... Okay, not a humorous story from Reader's Digest. Antidote. Antidote. Vaccine, if you will. In the initial test phase. Now, it's still going to take a long time for that vaccine to get out. But we can blunt the curve in coronavirus. We can blunt the spread of it. By doing what the president and the CDC has ordered. Okay, 65 days after the first diagnosed case in the United States. And already he's slowed down the spread. Look at what's happened to Italy. They've had to shut down the whole country because their socialized medicine system and their leadership didn't work properly for the people. Okay. The same thing with a lot of European states. You call them countries, I call them states. It's a political science term, okay? But many nations have not seen the spread, or the, the blunting of the spread, have not tried to stop the curve from shooting up and then coming down, where the United States were trying to keep the curvature of the, so, the social spread to a minimum. We still have to have hospital beds for 
people that are having heart attacks, strokes, people with pneumonia and regular flu viruses, okay? And Obama didn't do anything. Obama and Biden, Joe Biden out there talking smack on Donald Trump is the worst thing I've ever heard. And the media is going right along with them. What, what he is saying, it took six months and a thousand deaths before the Obama and Biden administration acted. When H1N1 broke out. It's taken a matter of days for Trump to react. Yeah, January 28th was a month and a half ago. Okay, how much has he done in that month and a half since he shut down incoming air travel from China? A lot. A month and a half, he's done more than Obama did Pardon me. My throat went dry again. Water break time. In a month and a half, Donald Trump did more than President Obama and Vice President Biden did in six months. And how dare the media say he's not doing enough. They can't say what he's not doing. They can't say what he's doing wrong. But they say he's not doing enough. He's having a press conference every day. And every day there are updates. Every day there, you know, hey, look, uh, we're, we're breaking, you know, respirators and ventilator machines out of storage. And see, to see how many we have that are working and can be, you know, reman- remanufactured to work again. Should this spike go higher than what uh, we think it will? Uh, you know, they're, set, they're looking to set up old buildings as new hospitals, temporary hospitals. They're bringing out the mobile army surgical hospitals that were done away with by the army and put into storage to set up outside hospitals. Their hospitals are setting up tents outside to uh, test people. They're getting drive-through tests now at places like CVS. Uh, The president has opened up the road to getting more and more test kits. In, what the hell did I say, a month and a half? He's done more than President Obama and Vice President Biden did in six months. But the media is telling you he's not doing enough. They can't say what he's not doing enough of. Yeah, they can come up with some little nitpicky theory, I'm sure. But they can't tell you, you know, what he's done wrong. And like one of his uh, advisors or secretaries said today, we're we're breaking new ground, this woman said. We're setting forth new precedents, a new strategy. So when and if the next a virus comes along, the next pandemic, we have an even clearer roadmap to keep the American people safe and keep that hill to a gradual incline, a peak, and a drop-off instead of a huge spike 
that may last who knows how long and then the drop off because so many people have dropped off and died. Governor DeWine's doing as much as he can to keep us. He says we want to be St. Louis and not Philadelphia. In 1918, when I'm on a cigar break, hold on. In 1918, when Governor DeWine was just a young fellow, uh, the city of St. Louis started taking measures to blunt a flu outbreak in two days. The city of Philadelphia took 13 days to react. And the death toll in Philadelphia was far greater, thousands greater than that of St. Louis. So the president, Governor DeWine in Ohio, um, I may disagree somewhat philosophically, with canceling the Ohio political primary. Uh, I may disagree with closing bars and restaurants and taking away some of our freedoms, but they're doing what they can to stop this from becoming uh, an epidemic in the United States. There have been relatively few deaths uh, compared to a nation of 300 million people here in the United States. We've had very few deaths. We've had fewer than India. Of course, India has over a billion people. So, of course, their numbers will be higher. But tell me what the president hasn't done. He's done everything a president can do. Uh, governor DeWine has done everything a governor can do and even overstepped his boundaries. And uh, thrown Dr. Amy, An Amy Acton under the bus and made her the fall guy for canceling the Ohio primary and closing bars and putting a stop to all elective, non-life-saving surgery in Ohio. But, you know, our government, at least here in Ohio... And our government at the federal level under the leadership of Donald Trump. And this is why you need a businessman and not a politician in charge. Have been outstanding. That's all I have to say about that. Good night. God bless you. Pray for one another. Pray for our leaders in Washington on all sides of the aisle. And good night.